Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest episode of Media Voices. This season, as I'm sure you know, we're doing deep dives into some of the biggest trends, tools and tech that has affected and will affect publishers over the past 12 months and into the next. That's part of our annual Media Moments 2023 report, which is going to be released early December. You can pre-register for that at voices.media forward slash MM23. But I'm Chris Sutcliffe. I'm Esther Thorpe. And this week, we are joined by Daniel Ionescu, who is founder of The Lincolnite, an independent local news publisher based in Lincolnshire, and the new platform My Local, which set out to create a new local sustainable ecosystem where local journalism, communities, and businesses can thrive. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Thank you so much for the invite. A pleasure. Very nice. Well, to begin with, why don't you give the listeners a brief introduction to how you got into local news? Ooh, we're going to go back a, a while now, uh, <laughs> about 13 years ago uh, in 2010, where I graduated from the University of Lincoln, where I studied journalism, uh, an amazing course, a great experience. And based on the local media landscape we had at the time, uh, we came with a simple concept, which was still a big thing in local media back in 2010, which was today's news today. So the uh, environment in which we were uh, operating at the time was uh, a daily local newspaper from one of the national companies, but uh, with a website as well, of course, everybody had a website by 2010, but the, the news on the website was the news from the paper at 5 or 6 a.m. put on that morning, which was obviously the news from the previous day, if not two days ago. So anything that was happening on that day relating to traffic, policing, or any other updates. So we created the Lincolnite in a newcomer's image, really, also with my experience uh, at the university and what we were wanting to find out to navigate our daily lives uh, in, in Lincoln. And the Lincolnite was the place where you could do that and find out the latest stuff going on in companion with everything else that was happening in in Lincolnshire. And that's how we, we really started the Lincolnite and the simple concept behind it. Of course, it evolved a lot over over the past 13 years. I was going to say, the yeah. The <laughs> landscape has changed uh, so much. Uh, uh, but uh, that's also what spurred our idea and transition to my local, which is the next stage of evolution in what we're doing, both as a publication and as journalists. I think the only the only time that it was braver to launch a local news publication <laughs> other than now was probably a decade ago when yeah it was all about sort of social scale um yeah that that was when a lot of the the sort of local news behemoths as we know them now sort of went went into their sort of very much well I suppose what what we'd it what we'd see them as now what what was the sort of I don't want to say the thought process because that sounds really naff but the the balls required to start a local news publication at, at the time when everybody was like, oh, simple's not cool. 2010 was actually the early stages, in at least on a local level, of social media. Uh, Facebook only came out while I was in university, uh, kind of like you could get it up to uni in 2008, but only with a university email address. And it only started going mainstream towards 2009, 2010. Uh, Twitter was only around the block for three years and it was picking up, but mainly around techies. 
So when we when we started word of mouth and discovery through Google and other search engines was still an important factor. And the social networks really picked up uh, circa 2011, 2012, 2013, which helped us really uh, gain a, a lot of eyeballs and audience onto what we were doing, being the new kid on the block and everybody wondering are we going to be able to uh, be around for, for a while? Or are we going to become a sustainable news source? Are we going to be able to serve our communities? They were all really big questions because people were only used to one single newspaper and one single entity serving them, which at the time was over a hundred years for, for that particular publication. So we were, we were very different in, in the way we were reporting and, and pitching and it really made a difference. But to, to answer your question directly, um, I was very young back then and, uh, <laughs> I, um, I definitely took a huge leap of faith in, in terms of creating a brand new publication. But, uh, a, a decade and a bit later, starting a new project is, is still a huge endeavor. But now we have the learnings that we had from, uh, the, the past 13 years. Before we move on to my local, I'm interested to, hear how your relationship with the audience has changed over that time as well. Because going from a relatively new and nascent publication, launching into an area where there had not been that provision before in the form that you, you launched it in, to now, how has that relationship changed? We managed to capture a huge audience over the years across uh, Greater Lincolnshire. Um, at our peak during the pandemic, we were at about 850,000 unique readers out of about 1.2 million people in Lincolnshire. Of course, um, about... Oh my God, that is ridiculous. That is a ridiculous proportion of people. 20 to 25% also comes a lot from outside the county. We have a huge mm. audience in, Lung in London and across these Midlands because of how the population is spread and the interests. And we have a range of international and national interest events. We had air shows, world famous Christmas markets, uh, 10Ks, marathons. Lincoln is a small city, but it, it has quite a lot of cool stuff going on and similarly across Lincolnshire. So we managed to capture over the years um, quite quite a huge audience which stayed with us. Obviously now it, it dipped slightly after the uh, pandemic audience rush and um, for information, but um, it, it is really this particular link with our audience which will take me leading you into my local, which spurred what we're doing now. But all the social, all the engagement was so easy to outsource to social and leave it happen on your Facebook page or on your Twitter. And everybody looking back now knows that that was a huge mistake. Um, for example, we used to use the Facebook comments plugin, if we're going to go into the techie side of things, mm. which was mirroring the comments on your Facebook page with the comments on the articles on your website. So it was an ideal situation. Uh, but then that one uh, has been retired and then everything kind of like dropped off a cliff in terms of engagement. And then you have to come up with your own solution. So that probably leads quite nicely into uh, what, what you're doing about this. Can you tell us more about My Local and how it came about and, and what it is? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> So my local is uh, not just a, a news website or a news platform. We have an app because, as I said, it's important to have a direct relationship with 
your users. And also through the app, you have push notifications and letting them know what's happening. You can't do that over the web, um, except for web push notifications, but they don't come on your mobile. So it's not as effective. And email is a different kettle of fish. We can talk about emails for like two hours at least, but I'll leave those aside. They're not a priority for us. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, I mean, anything that we can learn from about email, fantastic. But like you said, that is its own huge topic. That, In fact, Esther, are we doing email as a topic? We for are, we are doing Okay, th- in which case, so, yeah, that is, an ent- <laughs> that is literally a different topic. So oh, uh, my local brings everything locally into one place. For uh, a, an end user, an end user on my local would get the news from the Lincolnite, which is for our Lincolnshire part of my local, which is where we started the platform, so to speak, the anchor publisher. Uh, we then uh, decided that our reporters will not spend 70% of their day rewriting press releases uh, for absolutely everybody. Oh, the uh, dream. So, the dream. So we stopped doing that altogether. But in the same way we were writing press releases from what otherwise would be trusted sources, whether it's the police force, whether it's the local councils, etc., we decided to basically bring them and or aggregate them onto the platform uh, because we cover a wide geographical area, that meant that we were um, our our feed and our aim was to geo-filter these updates for people. If you live in Lincoln, in Lincolnshire, then you'll be interested in what's happening in the city. If you live in the south of the county, in Boston, you want to see what's happening there for first. And similarly, if you live in the live in the north, in Grimsby or Scunthorpe, you would be looking at what's happening in your area. Everything is about an hour apart, but we're all part of the same authorities and police forces. I I have a bit of a a tech background. During my university years and in the early foundation years of the Lincolnite, I worked in tech reporting uh, for an international organization uh, with tech publication both in the US and the UK, print magazines, etc. And I was... I was kind of like there reporting from the day the from before the iPhone was launched. Uh, um, we've I've, I've experienced and seen and reported and seen the media landscape and the content distribution and the gatekeepers to information as they evolved, where the computer screen stopped becoming your main screen. Uh, so did the television screen and the smartphone and the mobile phone became the main way that people consume uh, content and information. Social networks officially unfriending the news industry, and you've been talking about it for, for many years, uh, <laughs> and what, what led to it, um, we won't dive into that one now. Um, it was becoming evident to, to me and the entire uh, organization that we had to find a, a new model, which uh, just mass reach distribution and throwing ads out there was not going to become a sustainable model for, for local news. 75% to 80% of the digital ad spend now is going to social networks. Mm. Our aim was always to bring people to our website. And case in point, we had 100,000 plus uh, people liking our Facebook page. But I was, as I was sharing earlier, our audience was six, seven times uh, bigger than that on, on the website. If you, we wanted to, for example, to implement one of these third party 
paywall systems that uh, are being banded about and there's like at least 10 15 solutions oh all God. coming from bare minimum at this point yeah um at least the ones who got in touch with me uh, <laughs> uh, from from there but their capabilities are um very focused to put it mildly uh, they can do either a metered paywall or a full paywall, but and they get you to sign up a reader to create an account. But with that account, they can't comment on a story and you can't really link it to your advertising system to then serve some relevant advertising to those users and or get any demographic data for it, that's also combined with the latest Google Analytics um, GA4, which doesn't give you any of the demographic data, but that's a more recent development. And similarly, for less so for for events listing, I don't think uh, Eventbrite, at least for the UK and our local market, is as much of a a big player. The other step that we were missing before was then being able to give a range of stats to our advertisers. It had to be done manually. We had to check our own ad plat uh, ad system with them it was becoming super complex and there were other easier offerings elsewhere such as facebook and other social networks which were making it super simple for an advertiser to get something out there uh, and get some sort of resemblance of results um, i do have to mention and this is factual um, over the years uh, facebook and all the social networks yeah. have been embroiled in multiple scandals about what? their stat reporting no <laughs> what you don't say <laughs> Um, uh, a notable one being when uh, Facebook miscounted three times the same results for the entire planet. Um, um, <laughs> mm. <laughs> just a tiny mistake, though, isn't it? It's just, you know, just, just anybody could have done it. Anybody could have done it. A lot of this seems to be really kind of well timed, given some of the. I mean, not just the the local media trends, but um, a lot of the issues that the industry is having with social media, like you know, all the algorithms, AI this kind of general struggle to monetize local content. So to what extent is this all a happy coincidence or did you sort of foresee a lot of this coming about? For for those who keep an eye on tech developments like myself and with the background in reporting, uh, and again, somebody who managed a content distribution pipeline for over 13 years digitally, and uh, there's not many local editors at the moment who have been in in a job or a role like this for this length of time, or who have the digital background, maybe a lot of them would have been in print and that would still be their priority. And we know that all these local news entities, whoever has print, they still derive more than 80% of their revenue from that. The writing was on the wall. The writing was on the wall from 2018 onwards when uh, the world has changed. But the, um, I would say the, the media industry and the local media industry have been lagging in trying to accept that this is happening and hoping that there would be some sort of savior that would be coming for them. But we know from the past 30 years that there is no savior coming for uh, for the media or the local media industry without taking all their revenues. This seems to me to be in service of developing a more human, a more direct relationship, which does touch upon what we said before. To what extent is that the bedrock of trust in a local title? And how else are you sort of trying to engender trust? Because it's always been my understanding that local sites enjoy a much higher level of trust than the nationals, than, you know, social media. So to what extent is there still an issue there? 
think what you said, Chris, rings true. And I believe if I'm, if I correctly recall the stats from the Reuters digital news report, that was only if you are not consumed via social media. When you're consumed via social media, your trust rating drops mm. to like 30% while outside of it is 50% plus. So because you're being aggregated alongside all the other suggested recommended, um, content let's just call it um, yeah. on on these places you are your stuff doesn't appear alongside other trusted sources so when you're mixed with things that you don't trust or you can't trust then your trust score immediately drops as well alongside it because people see that they don't see you as a player on that platform they just look at whatever is consumed through there cannot be fully trusted. So you have to take it with a massive pinch of salt. While if they come directly to you, then the trust level is going up. Um, We also made sure that we have verified badges amongst Mm. along each of the profiles, which appear on our on our platform, again, to emphasize that what we are doing is we are going through these and somebody is checking them and looking at them. Um, it's not a directly unfiltered, uh, something untrue might be published somewhere and then we'll, we'll allow it to, to come on the platform. So it seems as much about context of where it's appearing as it does around the actual content that you're publishing. Um, Daniel, one of the things you did mention is, um, uh, yeah, Sort of people paying to list the stuff to to put the press release out in the event listings, and I think money and revenue sustainability are two things that local news organisations have really struggled with. I mean, certainly at the moment, over the last decade, even the new startups that are coming up, that it's something that they're sort of you know they're working towards rather than have achieved. Do you think local news can be financially sustainable, and and is that something you're sort of focused on at the moment? That is the whole reason why we created the My Local platform, which is not a publisher, but a technology platform which enables independent publishers and other publishers like ourselves to operate in an ecosystem where they can generate revenue and support their new news operations. Um, uh, but it's it's part of a, of a wider move. Uh, one of the things we sometimes ask clients or prospective clients if they're a client they're already they already know how how it works is if you spend your money with facebook have you ever seen anybody from facebook in your community coming around and speaking to people doing awards reporting stories or even just being there in any way or another no if you don't invest in your local alternatives, you will not have a local alternative altogether. But we also know that we can't rely, and that's what the pandemic showed us, you can't rely just on one single source of revenue, which is what, again, most publishers have been doing historically, whether it was newspaper sales, whether it was classifieds or anything in between. You have to have a very healthy mix which is why we have our own advertising network on the platform. We have our own classified section, again, with jobs, events, and properties. And then we have the memberships system, which we introduced. It's a selective uh, paywall. Not every story is behind a paywall. Uh, Maybe about 10% of the stuff that we create goes behind a paywall. And similarly, 99% of the overall content that you can find on the platform is free to read. 
but creating uh, an opportunity for people to have a way of supporting these local news organizations is super important. And also freeing them from the shackles of having to maintain a website or maintain a platform, but just focusing on what they're doing, which is reporting and or engaging with local businesses, because this is also very important. Uh, TikTok and all that doesn't doesn't reward local media anyway because you that's all about the views and, and racking up millions and millions of views that that doesn't incentivize local reporting where actually perhaps only a thousand people are going to be interested. We heard from the um, DCMS um, basically recommending further investment in the Future News Pilot Fund, which was set up in the wake of the Cancross report um, to create a long term public interest news fund to support innovation startups and new technology. How likely do we think it is that that will actually lead to funding going to the right places, the most innovative places in local news? Or do we think that's primarily going to benefit the pre-existing, you know, huge local news publishers? Oh, we're going to dive into the Ken Cross report. Okay. <laughs> so, I've, so I've done a master's in the sustainability of entrepreneurial journalism in the UK, which was a master's by research. And the premise started from the recommendations of the Ken Cross review. And then I spoke with about two dozen independent publishers across the UK. And the, the technology fund was just a small recommendation from the 13 that were in the Ken Cross review. And uh, that one still doesn't have a number on it, as far as I'm aware, in terms of how much money and how many millions and how it will work. I haven't seen one. Uh, uh, and while I am absolutely uh, behind the idea of having the technology fund, which will help uh, and work with publishers to find solutions, what we know from the um, initiatives that have currently taken place, whether it's uh, the um, uh, local democracy news reporting service with the BBC, which is one of the great examples of how you can make a difference. Um, the um, other initiatives, which uh, I, I want to name right now, who have been giving £1 million to all sorts of other national organizations who uh, then create podcast platforms or newsletter platforms or anything else. Um, everything that seems to be going in that direction has is focused towards larger organizations who themselves have had huge retreats from the local media landscape. I mean, we have the largest uh, local news organization in the UK who allegedly have only 15 offices left after the pandemic, but 80% of their reporters work from home. How is that journalism? How is that going in the communities? They would argue that they do and they go out, but they really don't. Mm. And the content and the stats show that for, for all of them. Journalism from home is not going to make local journalism sustainable, especially what we're trying to do with communities. If you are uh, a, a big thinker or a specialist in your field, you can create a newsletter, get 50,000 paying subscribers from a global audience, and you can do well. But in local news, your audience is always limited. And the game is about pen how much penetration can you have in that audience and how well can you be 
known and how often people come to you compared to what we are made to believe that there's an infinite audience. There isn't. In Lincolnshire, there's only 1.2 million people. And there's only so many people who will go online and check for news. That's not touching on the news avoidance issue, which you've also discussed in your previous podcast at length uh, from, <laughs> from there. So and locally, that's... Locally, that's the only way you're going to be able to reach reach your audience and create a connection with them. You can't wait and hope that somebody in like a different continent will support you for the journalism mm. that you do if the people you're impacting are here in your patch. But also, if the only thing you do is just rewrite press releases all day. Uh, that's people true. Can go, yeah. People can go on Facebook or on Twitter follow all these accounts, they'll see all these before you even start rewriting them or pretending that you're rewriting them. And I'm not saying it, everybody has been doing it for years, but the time for change has come about two years ago now. <laughs> that that is a, uh, a, a sort of depressingly realistic way of looking at that, I think. The, the, the time to change was in the past, absolutely. <laughs> Um, there was quite an interesting piece, um, Jackie Merrington, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, she actually wrote this week about um, the fact that a more sustainable future will be one where the bigger publishers like Reach actually end up collaborating with smaller publishers. Um, do you think that's realistic? Um, do you think that's that's something that's going to help um, the future of local journalism, both in the UK and, and wider, uh, further afield? Collaboration will be key to the future of local journalism. Well, the future of local journalism is part of a corporate chain with overseas shareholders who are happy to strip assets uh, in order to maintain their shareholding and dividends. Now, that I doubt, because uh, when you don't have offices, any offices left in the communities you serve, when you have barely any resemblance of reporters or people on the ground in the communities you serve and they work from home, um, when uh, you print just a few thousand uh, papers which nobody picks up, when you litter your website with literally dozens and dozens of ads on a page that jump at you when you want to scroll, when you rewrite press releases, when you try to, or if you don't do that, you rewrite national stories instead of focusing on original reporting, when you're, you have one editor for three counties um, and nobody can focus on anything, that cannot be the future that anybody or at least myself would want to be part of. But I think independent publishers can fulfill this gap because they still have the passion and the drive for what they're doing. And I think that has been lost a lot in the corporate players because of the challenging environment that they've been operating as well. And they haven't been able to invest or reinvest in their operations. And all they had to do was scale back. But there is still plenty and ample growth to, to go for the independent publishers. And collaborating with ourselves, coming under one banner, under one umbrella, under one platform, which allows you to distribute your content, engage with your audience and monetizing and keep your fair share of revenue generated through that is the future that we envision and we want to be able to enable across the UK and beyond. 
I, I was just saying about how sort of depressingly realist you were being before, but that was incredibly optimistic. That was the exact opposite. And it's it's so interesting. I think it's fascinating how much we've seen in terms of people being optimistic and hopeful and actually being proactive about the future of local news in the UK. Well, I think for, for many, many years, it was almost, we, we sort of handed off that responsibility. It was incumbent upon the big players to sort of save local journalism. But now it's coming from the hyper-locals, it's coming from the startups, it's coming from places like, you know, yourself, Manchester Mill, all these places to actually, that's where we're seeing the experimentation. It's been really, really interesting to see happen over the past three or four years. And we still have a lot more work to do, but we have a vision and an idea because I really don't believe that developers or entrepreneurs in California without any journalism background or even having spent an hour in a newsroom or knowing how a newsroom operate or the requirements of a newsroom would be able to, or speaking to any local communities anywhere, they, they're not going to be the ones who come up with solutions to, to save journalism. Even the biggest social network today started from a totally different concept, mm. which had nothing to do with what it pivoted to be today or the role it has played in the last uh, 15 years, whether it's upending democracies or finding <laughs> long lost friends. It, it has a really, really wide range, but it certainly hasn't saved journalism or media in, in any kind. And I also don't believe in making them pay because they're a business. I'm sorry. I, I could be super selfish and say, yeah, they have to pay, but they already laid their bed. We know what's happening in Canada. There hasn't been any news in two months on the entire uh, Facebook from there. It yeah. might, it might, it happened in Australia in 2020. We had the first taste. So we knew what was going to happen in Canada. And if we're going to be trying to do the same legislation here in the UK, we're even a smaller player and we're going to get the same, um, back from all the social networks, which is why we are ready with my local to tackle anything that happens in that particular arena. And obviously, you know, having listened to the podcast, you'll know that that's sort of very much our, uh, our take on it as well. But then we could have spoken about that for about another four hours. But if the listeners do want to get in contact with you or follow you or find out more of your thoughts on this, where's the best place for them to reach you? Uh, the best place, if you want to have a direct chat with me about anything like that, just look out for Daniel Ionescu on LinkedIn. Otherwise, just do a quick search for mylocal.co.uk and you can get a really good idea of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, see it in practice. That's no, a really good idea. Uh, thanks so much again, Daniel. Um, we will, of course, be dealing with local news as a chapter in the Media Moments 2023 report. You can pre-download that at voices.media slash mm23. We are also involved with an AI event which is coming up. So MX3, that is taking place on the 7th of December in London. It's going to be exploring all things AI to some of Daniel's points and the opportunities for publishers. The agenda is going to come at some point next week or week after that. So please do go to mx3ai.com for more information. There's even a local news uh, local news case study from uh, from the agenda I've seen. So uh, You can also sign up to our daily newsletter and our community hub by going to voices.media as well as finding out more information about that event. But for now, thank you so much, Daniel. It's been fascinating to hear you come on like i said we barely scratched the surface of this so it'll be interesting to hear from hear more from you in the next couple of years but for now thank you so much for listening to media voices and goodbye bye